One of my favorite new books is called The Mind Illuminated, a complete meditation guide integrating Buddhist wisdom and brain science. It's by John Yates. He's a former PhD professor of neuroscience that's become a full-time meditation teacher that goes by the name now of Kuladasa. What he does particularly well is to lay out those traditional stages of Buddhist meditation, which in some of the you know, early Pali canon and early texts are quite short and uh, a little bit esoteric and unclear, is to lay those out in a way that makes a lot of sense in the 21st century, that's clear and user-friendly and supplemented with many helpful pictures. Uh, And so for each of the ten stages along the path to Buddhist awakening, he emphasizes the best practices for each stage of development that can help catalyze your continued progress. And although the book is about 500 pages long, you would need to read less than 100 pages to get the basic overview and the tips for those first few stages of beginning to become a more skilled meditator. Because despite common misunderstandings, it's important to emphasize that Buddhist awakening, it's sometimes called Buddhist enlightenment, but a much more helpful, clear term is awakening. It's about awakening to a certain uh, element, way of experiencing reality. Uh, And here's another key point from the Buddhist perspective, that the particular insights into the nature of reality that the Buddhist tradition emphasizes, like impermanence, uh, interconnectedness, and how to cease suffering, those are most likely to happen when your mind is tranquil. You're most likely to have those Buddhist insights that trigger awakening when your mind is tranquil. So all that time you're spending on your meditation cushion, a lot of that is about building the skills of concentration and mindfulness necessary to reach that tranquil enough state of mind in contrast to our usual monkey mind that we need to have insight into reality as it actually is, not as we perceive it or project onto it as being. But here's another twist. Many popular mindfulness programs today, they're really good. Don't get me wrong. The world would be a better place if there's more, to the extent that there's more beginning mindfulness programs, that is better for the world. But a lot of those, you you could call them sort of muck mindfulness programs, though, because they'll, they'll teach you a little bit, but there's only so far you can, you know, progress in your life eating Happy Meals all the time, right? That you, uh, they use this sort of stripped-down selective Buddhism that can help you lower stress and strengthen focus and increase productivity, all potentially worthy goals. But it's interesting to note that one could practice mindfulness at that level for decades daily, get some real benefit from the practice, but never move out of maybe stage two or three of the 10 total stages of the path toward Buddhist awakening. So to trace just a few of the stages of insight, stage one is simply establishing a regular daily practice. And stage one's pretty hard, actually. You know, every day, unless there's some you know, really epic emergency in your life, sitting down, 20 minutes, really building pretty rapidly to about 45 minutes once a day if you really want to be serious about this. Uh, Stage two is focusing, once you have that daily practice and have carved out that time in your life, focuses on how to shorten your mind wandering uh, during meditation, how to sustain your attention on the focus object. Generally, the breath is a good early 
object to focus on. And just one tip I would give you briefly is, you know, a lot of Buddhism is about learning to let go and to not grasp onto things. So you're not doing yourself any favor if every time monkey mind happens to you, every time a distraction happens, if you're just sort of self-lacerating and beating yourself up internally about it, you know, you're doing it wrong if that's what you're doing. You know, honestly, if you have 10,000 times in 20 minutes that you get distracted, that is 10,000 opportunities to practice gently letting go of distractions. And over time, it's that letting go, that gesture of letting go, that just like at the gym, you practice repetitions. That repetition of letting go will begin to be inculcated within you, and it will become increasingly second nature to you. You've mastered stage three when forgetting and mind-wandering no longer occur. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, It means the breath continually staying in conscious awareness. It's really moving into a very different pattern for your mind than most of us spend most of our time in. The mind still roams, but if any of you played tetherball as a kid, you have a pole and the ball is tied to it and you hit it back and forth and you're trying to wrap it around one way, that in that stage three of meditation, you're still going to have distractions, but you'll increasingly begin to get this feeling that your mind is more tethered to the breath than it used to be. It only strays so far, whereas when you first start meditating, you may find that you're way off over here, and like five or ten minutes have passed, and you're like, ooh, I've been sitting here, but I really haven't been meditating for like five or ten minutes, that you'll find by the end of stage three that the unconscious mental processes that sustain attention, they never fully let go of the mental object. So even as things come into your mind, you note them and let them go, but you're still focused on your breath. So your attention is no longer shifting so automatically to these objects of desire or these objects of aversion. Those are often the things that come up, these things that were um, strongly bothered by or strongly uh, attracted to. So you can purposely hold your attention on this emotionally neutral object, such as the breath, for extended periods of time. So that continuous attention to the meditation object is the first of what are called the four traditional milestones on the path to Buddhist awakening. It's the first transition point from being a novice meditator to becoming a more skillful meditator. Uh, The other three milestones are sustained exclusive focus of attention, effortless stability of attention, and the persistence of the mental qualities of tranquility and emotional equanimity. Now, what I most appreciate about Kuladasa and other participants in what is sometimes called the modern uh, pragmatic Dharma movement is this emphasis that Buddhist awakening is not something that is only available to monks who wear robes and are cloistered away, away from worldly concerns, that it is achievable by everyday people who have demanding jobs and family commitments, but it does take time and commitment to, to carve that space out in your life. To give you a few parallel examples, I find it pretty easy. We have di- so as I say these things, think about examples in your own life of passions and practices and hobbies and how these have gone for you over the years. So personally, I find it pretty easy to run four miles twice a week and then a third time a, a longer run. I've also successfully trained for both a half marathon and a sprint triathlon. But I've failed at least twice so far. I may fail again in the future in training for an Olympic distance triathlon. Both the times that I tried that and really seriously intended to do it, about two months into the four-month training regimen, I was just like, I'm out. 
Like, you know, you know it's like, because spending about two, you know, an hour in the morning, an hour at night, it just got to be too much. I just wasn't willing to do it. Uh, I could have continued, but I chose other priorities. Similarly, I'm a pretty good guitar player, I'm a semi-passable pianist, but my progress plateaued on both those instruments for the most part in mid-high school when, when I would have needed to continue ratcheting up the level of um, practice daily required. So, you know, when 30 minutes a day became 45 minutes a day, it became an hour a day, and was sort of projecting to be, you know, you really need to be practicing 90 minutes a day soon or two hours a day soon, I hit the eject button. It just wasn't my priority. That being said, I want to emphasize also how much is possible if you choose to spend even an hour a day on something you are passionate about, coupled with a weekly time of more intensive practice and maybe an annual uh, retreat of a weekend or a week or longer. And I'm not only talking about Buddhism. Your emphasis, your interest may be athletic or artistic or scholarly or just fun. Uh, For example, Tolstoy's War and Peace, the sort of famously long 1,200-page novel. If you read 10 pages a day, you can finish War and Peace in four months. Likewise, progressing on the path toward mental tranquility and emotional equanimity, that's possible. And I'll certainly confess that when I meditate, there are times when, you know, I've sat down, I'm, you know, set my intention to spend 45 minutes meditating, and before it's over, you know, it may kind of rise up inside me. All right, timer, go ahead and ring already. Surely it's been 45 minutes, you know, because I'm ready to go on to the next task in my schedule. But I'll also say, and to me, I experience this much more today than I did maybe about 10 years ago when I first started meditating seriously before the age of smartphones, that in this age of sort of 24-7 connectivity, meditation feels different to me than it used to. It feels a lot more like a freedom that, wow, I'm going to give myself permission to sit down for 45 minutes, put my phone on silent, not check social media, and just be present to just my breath, just the arising and passing away of this present moment. And if sitting down for 5 or 20 or 45 minutes, if that feels impossible to you, one bridge to meditation that many people find helpful is start with Tai Chi. You know, come on Tuesday mornings here at, at uh, UCF or come on Thursday, do yoga, do, come to our full moon labyrinth walk. Some of those more active yet contemplative forms can be a, a bridge into more contemplative practices. As one of my mentors used to say, practice may not make you perfect, but it does make permanent. That whatever you practice, it's just like my piano teacher used to warn me against, be sure you're not practicing the wrong thing, because then it'll be, you'll end up, it's hard to break that habit. So whatever you're practicing, so that just like with meditation, that as you practice those things, you're inculcating that into yourself. So in that spirit, I'd like to give you just a brief taste of that this morning. I don't want to just talk about Buddhism. I want to get you inside your monkey minds and kind of see what that's like. I want to invite you to experience a practice called driverless awareness. And uh, guided meditations work more for some people than others. But just take this for a test drive this morning. See how it how it feels. It's a kind of a 21st century take on Buddhism that I learned from one of my teachers named Vince Horn. So if you're comfortable doing so, I invite you to assume what feels like a good meditation posture to do to you, perhaps with your back straight, your feet flat on the floor, your hands resting gently in your lap. 
finding an upright balance, relaxed but alert. I invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing so. Allowing your attention to settle into your body. Gently letting go of tensions throughout your body, starting with the top of your head and going down to your feet. Breathing in and breathing out, letting go. Now I invite you to direct your attention to the inner screen of your mind, the place we see internal imagery, the movies in our minds. I want to invite a particular scenario to arise in your mind. Imagine yourself driving a car. You're going down the highway, tuning in to what it's like, looking out the windshield at your surroundings, looking at other cars, looking out your rearview mirror, noticing how much gas you have left. As needed, you're accelerating decelerating, pressing the brake when needed, noticing the effort it takes to drive. There's a constant alertness to the road. When we have to switch lanes or pass someone, we have to go through an orchestra of movements. Feeling the subtle anxiety that's present when we drive noticing that if we make a mistake, it could be dangerous. So we maintain a level of vigilance, sometimes hyper-aware. Notice what is present as you imagine the act of driving. How does it make you feel? What is present for you in your body as you imagine yourself driving? From here, we're going to shift the imagination to a new mode. Imagine that technology has advanced to the point where we're in a fully autonomous, driverless car. You start the car, you're out on the road. Imagine this technology has been proven. There are far fewer accidents. We now know from experience that when we switch to driverless mode, we can just relax. We don't have to be alert to what's happening on the road. We can allow the car to drive itself, allow the car to communicate with other vehicles to avoid problems. Imagine what it would be like to just be the passenger, enjoying the vista, Let yourself feel what it's like to switch from driver mode to driverless. Notice the difference. It could be relaxation and ease. It could be anxiety and fear of not being in control. Whatever's present, just notice it, allowing it to be present, feeling it in your body. We'll shift one more time to a new imagination, a new scene. Taking a moment to imagine your normal day, your normal activities. Going through your normal routines, how many things do you have to keep in your mind at one time? 
How many things do you have to do? How much effort does it take to do those things? What's it like driving through your day? Notice what it takes for you each day to prepare, eat, connect, avoid conflict, relax, zone out, make the best decisions we can with the information we have, deal with difficulty and unexpected surprises, all the things we have to maneuver through and around in our daily lives. Just imagining that in a general way and feeling what it's like to move through your day. Now, in the same way that we shifted in the car from driver to driverless, imagine there's a switch in your mind that can switch you from the driver of your life to the passenger, to just enjoying the experience of being alive without having to direct or control or maneuver. Allow yourself to press that button and move into driverless mode. Notice what it's like to move through your day now that there's no one gripping the steering wheel. How does it change the way you engage each moment? What if we could trust the capacity to do, to act, to respond without feeling like we oft always have to be the one who has control? What would that be like? Take a moment to rest in driverless mode. Taking a moment to remember as well what it was like to switch into driverless mode. Keeping that as an internal tool that you can use moving forward. A simple flip of a button and a shift. Being able to take your hands off the wheel. To relax. Just simply enjoying the ride of being alive. Allowing everything to simply happen as it is.